Hello, and welcome to The Wine Goblins, a podcast where three friends are trying to take you on a journey through wine, love, adventure, and self-actualization. My name is Aaron. I'll be your co-host today, as well as my beautiful friends, Jared Eskelson and Danny Madden. Danny, would you like to take it from here and explain the rest of the show premise? Wow, Aaron, that was a beautiful intro. I, I don't know how to expand upon that. Yeah. So I am the novice of the wine world, as you guys probably know if you've listened this far. And today, well, I guess we'll start off with wine news of the week. Do we have any corrections, Corner? No, I don't think we do. Uh, but wow. I Perfect. Think we could uh, share wine story of the week from me because I just like sharing wine stories with you guys. So as part of work, we do like a segue for every meeting. And we talk about like our business best and our personal best for the week. I think this is relatively common in uh, offices, but apparently not. <laughs> anyway, my, my boss shared that his personal best for the week was going to some restaurant in wherever he lives. Let's just leave it that big. And that he was really excited to go there. So as one does, as soon as you hear a restaurant name, you immediately Google it to try to figure out the wine list there. So I immediately Googled it and then sent him the wine list and said, wow, excellent choice on the wine list. And then he replied to me and said, when you have time, I'd love to hear your thoughts on how you determine if a wine list is good or not. And boy, can I tell you the rest of my afternoon was ruined. <laughs> there were hundreds of words shared about what makes a good wine list. So so hold on. If I understand correctly, your was it your boss. Yeah. Your boss ruined your your day. Well, you were in their days because of your sicko behavior. (laughs) Both. (laughs) The productivity was gone for the rest of the day because I had to share my thoughts on what makes a great wine list, which I feel like I've hinted at throughout uh, these episodes. So I think we should have a full episode covering this. Maybe in season two. Okay. I, I feel like I would just ramble on for like 45 minutes with no prompt if I was allowed to just talk about wine list. Perfect. I love it. We can just tell you that it's recording and it's not recording. You can just get it out of your system. It, it shows you if it's recording. That's okay. I, I don't know necessarily know if I need to look there, but yeah, that's fair. We, we, we can do that at some point. Well, that was a great story. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for being vulnerable, JR. <laughs> You're welcome, Aaron. I like, I like including my wine story of the week. Just keep people on their toes. I love Always. it. Well, didn't you also get a, a shipment of wine? Can we talk about that? Is that interesting? I don't know if that's that interesting. I, f- I feel like we can talk about it, but I mean, it's it's pretty normal sicko behavior from me. Like I was offered a, a bottle of wine and I snatched it up and then it arrived and then I put two more bottles in the shipment because I had space. So, you know, just sickos being sickos in the goblin talk. So you're the kind of the ash catch of the of the wine world. You just got to catch them all. Any opportunity, you just throw your little pokeball out there. Pokey, pokeball master of wine. You know what it's called, Danny. I don't. Po- pokey master? Pokemon? Pokeball. Pokemon. <laughs> what is it? You love Japanese culture. Pokeball. Pokeball. Po- or or it's it- confusing if you're in Hawaii, if you order a pokeball. Okay, well, I think we're ready to move back to discussing wine. And next up is wine news of the week. And this week, I believe JR is taking the wheel, right? Is that the phrase? 
Not dissimilar to Jesus taking the wheel. <laughs> I guess so. I guess I'm taking instead the wheel of, here. Instead, <laughs> JR's going to be playing Jesus here and taking the wheel. Wow. Thanks, guys. This is wonderful. I am going to turn your water into wine. Here we go. The wine news <laughs> of the week is it's about natural wine. The The big news was Lalo Biz Loire. That's the French pronunciation of it. If you see it, it's probably not Leroy. It's going to look like Leroy to you, but the French pronunciation is Loire. The headline was slams natural wine. So there's a lot to unpack in those six words. And I think the best place to start is figuring out who the first person is that slams natural wine. So to steal a segment from Danny's other podcast, we're about to do a her story. Uh, This is about a female winemaker from Burgundy, who is probably one of the most prominent people in wine in terms of national or international relevance. Do you you know where in Burgundy uh, her winery is? I don't have specifics for that. Okay. Similar to Danny's podcast, does she end up dead? Because that's kind of the purpose of Danny's podcast. And I really hope it's not that bleak. My other here short story. My other podcast is a true crime podcast about women okay go on who usually die no the women are the murderers oh (laughs) yeah Yeah. i just download i don't listen (laughs) oh fuck off (laughs) anyways so moving on back to her story about our story here for female winemakers lalo biz was appointed as the head of her family it, it, they call it a domain, but at the point it was a negligent, which means that they were buying grapes from other vineyards when she was 23 year, years old in 1955. So for a decade, she pretty much had to deal with misogynistic behavior and she stuck with her uncompromising belief in farming and selecting the best grapes and vines. She only bought a little amount of grapes because she only wanted to pick the best of the best, which helped her family uh, winery be viewed as one of the best at the time, but it also had struggles in terms of business. And so her family also controlled a 50% stake in DRC, which is Domaine de la Roman and Conti. And she was appointed as the co-director of that in 1974. And she held that position until 1992 when she left with a bit of controversy. DRC, for anyone who's unfamiliar with the term, is probably the most sought after wine in the world. It's the it's the burgundy that every celebrity, every big baller is always chasing. It retails in the thousands. You're not going to see it for under four figures and more than likely probably in the five figure range. So she leaves or she's kind of forced out a little bit in 92 over a viticulture decision pretty much it had a little bit to do with some distribution too but it goes back to her belief in how farming's done in the vines this is all important for what's coming later in terms of this article about slamming natural wine so she buys two domains um one that's loire domain loire so the maison becomes a domain in 88 and then she has another one that's like next to her home that's even smaller that's even more sought after because it's so tiny so anyway all of these wines are world famous anyone who's has passable knowledge of the wine world is familiar with her work but maybe not necessarily familiar with her name immediately off the top of their mind 
the quote that's making the rounds that earned the headline she was slamming natural wine is natural wine is nonsense it has to be natural if you let wine make itself it won't be good wine still requires care do you guys feel like that's a slam no but i also it doesn't fit with my understanding of natural wine like Hmm. is she should we talk about natural wine like from so I guess what is your understanding of natural wine, Danny? I thought it just didn't have any additives, like weird stuff that's added to make the color different. Or There's no defined definition of natural wine. Natural wine, and there's a lot of frustration behind it. Uh, there's an article out there on Vox Media about what is natural wine, which I think is a good starting point. It says it's more concept than defined. It's unaltered grape juice. Nothing added, nothing taken away. That's a really high level understanding of natural wine. Natural wine has a lot to do with the start of the process, like farming biodynamically, farming with the best principles, making sure your soil's alive, doing all these things in the vineyard. But then once you get the grapes, also treating the grapes as if the whole process is keeping them alive, even when it hits the bottle. So there's some natural winemakers who believe no sulfur at all. There's other natural winemakers who believe in sulfur because it's a preservative and it'll help the wine travel. So because there's no definition of natural wine, it's such a hard thing to pinpoint. And it's a hard thing for people to quite understand because there's super extremes where there's winemakers who aren't even using um current technology to make wine they'll just use gravity and not even use electricity for these types of things and there's other uh, winemakers who will just do it where they're not adding anything to the wine her her wine wouldn't necessarily be categorized as natural wine because she does believe in adding sugar to the wine that's part of her process but everything she does in the vineyard is natural winemaking so it does kind of feel like she's saying natural wine is nonsense because she feels like the winemaker needs to spend more time in caring for it to make sure they have a good product. But I don't really feel like she's slamming natural wine with that quote. I mean, from my point of view, any it's such a lazy headline that these days that anything uses just use the word, you know, they use the adjective slam just to get headline you know, people's attention, got our attention. But there's really no definition of slam. It's just like said something negative, which is technically true, but I don't know. It's it's a headline grabber. And I think it's incredibly like whatever she said was very uh, fair and like not that slammy. But going back to natural wine, I kind of feel like natural wine more than anything else is just a vibe. You know what I mean? Like you go to like a natural wine shop, you kind of have a sense like the bottles are going to be clear. There's going to be like really beautiful, light colored wines. If it's a you know whatever, really colorful, pretty wines, there's gonna be like really cool artwork and it's very aesthetically pleasing. It's also going to be Minimum $30, maybe not minimum, but usually $30 to $40 for something that might be okay, might be pretty good, but also might be kind of shitty. Because like Jared's saying, like they don't necessarily add, you know, sulfites. There's not the same additives, which, you know, the reason that they're added is to help make it shelf stable, especially if it's traveling long distances. There's lots of environmental variables that could, you know, alter the wine in transit. So there there's there's flaws and there's faults in natural wine but there's flaws and there's faults in all wines so i mean it's out there for anything but you do tend to see natural wines more expensive one for that hipster-esque element of it Mm -hmm. but 
in theory, the farming for it is more expensive. So the grapes should be more expensive. Have so we the, tried the, a natural wine together, JR? Uh, the reason I brought to Thanksgiving was a natural wine. Well, that was delicious. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's delicious natural wines. And mm-hmm. there's also like this thought process that there's the hardcore natural wine and then there's the low intervention natural wine. Yeah, have you heard of Dry Farms wine? I've heard of it. Yeah. Oh, so you probably don't know, though, but I, I see their ads all the time on Instagram. That's how you know it's that's... good. That's how you know wine's good if you see ads on Instagram. <laughs> I was wondering if it was a natural wine because they claim there's no sugar or anything or sulfites or. I'm going to say no. There, I'm, yeah. I'm not even going to look it up. I'm just going to guess that it's a no. Like a natural yeah. winemaker having a budget to advertise on Instagram seems unrealistic. That's yeah. a good point. Okay. Yeah. I, 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 and exactly. And also, too, like the whole sulfite thing, like, Sulfites are naturally occurring in grapes, so you can never say there's it's sulfite free. They say no say, added. Yeah, and honestly, too, like nowadays, I mean, there's a whole history to this. But like now, back in the day, let's say in the '60s, you buy like a really nice Bordeaux, they're going to add a ton of sulfites because it's meant to be shelf stable for a long, really long period of time. Mm. Whereas now, there's still additives, but there's not nearly the amount of additives there was, especially if you get a higher quality wine. As compared to, let's say, I don't know, like in Washington State, we have something called 14 Hands, which is $6.99 for a red blend, and it's just fine, like kind of a cheaper fine wine, not fine wine, just fine quality-wise. But that's going to have way more sulfites than the wine that we're drinking today. And is it true that sulfites give you a hangover? Like the more, no? (sighs) Everyone's different. It all Everyone's like the way that the chemicals react to your body is different. I mean, that makes like, sense. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yes and no. Some people think that they're affected by it, and I'm sure they are. But I feel like, too, there's just a lot of, if you have low quality wine, low quality grapes, and the, you know, it was a young, I don't know, it's not a very nice wine. That's just going to create the chance for hangovers a lot more than having a nicer wine. But to, to each their own, to each their own. Also, there's also, uh, don't uh, discount the placebo effect. If you think, you know, something has no sulfites, you know, you might not feel as bad. Fun fact I majored in psychology. A lot really? of study I did, yeah. A lot of studies uh, have trouble beating the placebo effect. So, like the control in an experiment. I always like to be the control it, in the experiment because I'm so controlling and I love power. I love hearing that from a white male. Yes, great. no, it's great. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. So, so uh, yeah, let's let's go back to the to the winemaker. I don't think we have anything more to add about the winemaker. Oh well, I googled she- her wines. Holy snaps, those are expensive. Yeah, to clarify, she is still alive. Uh, she is still in the winemaking process. She still has built quite the the resume in terms of the wine she makes. And hopefully one day we're fortunate that we'll be surprised at Thanksgiving with some of her wine. Yeah, only for a cool $3,000 plus dollars. Yeah, well, we can we can all dream, you know. <laughs> so I, I have a question, JR. Your main wine shop, Midtown Wines in Ventura, California, it is consider themselves a natural wine shop. Is that correct? That's correct. But when I've been there, the oh, go ahead, Danny, question. I was shook. I didn't know that. Oh. <laughs> you never met Jake? He has quite the musk. I have not. Have shop. you met Jake? Of course I've met Jake. Have you met Summer? Well, I don't want to call it meeting her, but I've, <laughs> I know of her. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. I live a lot closer than you and I haven't met them. Yeah, well, Will Will is a 
What's stronger than convenience? I don't know if that's a, that's not a saying anyone's ever it said. It should be. It should be. Should yes, be. absolutely. Should be. But like I was saying before, Danny uh, asked a very good question. JR's wine shop is a natural wine shop, but you wouldn't know it walking in there. Cause I think what Jake is really interested in is organic grapes, good practices for the soil and the environment, making, you know, usually lower, lower yields, high quality wine, which you could definitely consider a natural wine. But if I recall, he generally does not have the more, you know, really fruity carbonic maceration, white, sorry, clear bottles with, you know, really colorful packaging that I usually associate with natural wine. Is that fair to say, JR? I mean, I don't want to speak for him, but I feel like he's more into low intervention wine than being hardcore natural wine. And he's one of the ones who's like kind of believes the vineyard work kind of dictates a lot, but like also not really adding much to the wine is also important in the process too. So so he would have more of a Russell Wilson mindset where the separations in the preparation. And I think so. Preparations in the grapes growing. Okay. Yeah. I, I would say your the hipster vibe of a natural wine shop isn't always prominent there, but at the wine tasting events I've been to, they're like he's very clear and direct about explaining the process of natural wine and like mm-hmm. why it relates to him. And I think to some people. I mean, we have a common friend who will only drink natural wine. And some of those reasons reasons are like digestive. But I think for other people, it's like once they find natural wine, they think it's just the right way to do it. And right. hearing people explain what natural wine is to them can be a wide range of things. And the, the gentleman, Aaron Askoff, who wrote the book about natural wine, he tells a story about a fight between winemakers to explain what natural wine is. And it's like the most obtuse like way of trying to explain a concept to someone. I think it's just easier to think about things as like, it's almost just like an organic way of food. Like I know that organic labels thrown around too much, but like these winemakers care about how the grapes are grown and they are using that same care in terms of making the wine from once it's in their, in their winery. Is there any regulation like theoretically, could we make a wine and do whatever we want to it and just slap natural wine on there? I think so. There's no there's no regulation. Yeah, they can't define it. So there's no way to regulate it. Yeah. That's, so that's awful. It is. But I mean, like you'll be exposed pretty quickly <laughs> if you tried to do that. So oh, really? I, yeah. I mean, it's pretty obvious. Like if you're trying to make natural wine, where your faults would be and if you're using a bunch of chemicals to like alter the taste of it, it would be pretty obvious pretty quickly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there, I mean, there are regulations in different parts of the world for being certified organic or biodynamic. And that's a real thing mm-hmm. that your wine or winery can be, but yeah. Saying if you just said, I'm not making natural wine, there's, there's no way, but Jared's right. You, if you did and it wasn't natural wine, people could, could tell pretty fast. And there's okay. a lot of wineries that don't want to pay for those labels. They don't want right. more regulations on them. So trying to define natural wine just going to upset more people. So it's not really something that the market yeah. wants. We I, at a, one of the wineries I was in at in Bordeaux, they were telling me that we are biodynamic and we are. Yeah, we do really old school things. which are really good for the soil. We just do things the same way we've done for hundreds of years. But we're not certified by the French government because they need to come in here and see our processes. And we're very just protective of them. And we just don't feel feel like it really going to benefit our sales at all so we are organic but we're not certified so i'm sure a lot of folks are also in that same boat and in other other industries too i know my parents they 
sell, they have an over avocado orchard and they sell avocados. And for a really long time, they weren't certified organic, even though they were organic, just because they didn't want to deal with all the testing and money and stuff. And I think right. what's really nice is about your parents' avocados is that it's, you can just tell they're very high in nitrates and nitrogen in the soil because of all the times Jar and I have peed in the orchard after drinking at weddings there. You know what? I'm shocked at how many men have peed in that orchard. Well, yeah, when a DJ Vino Verde party is happening, you know, there's not many places to pee other than the, the you know, the porta potties. And, you know, if it's, night, if it's pitch black, you're not going to go into porta potty. You're just going to go into nature. Where else should we go? A toilet in their house. So, JR, you're, you were saying something about natural wine. Guys love to pee outside, Danny. It's I just so think much better. It's so much better. And well, it's better for the soil. For the toilet, and we don't want to back it up for the women because it's 2023. Yeah, we're allies, Danny. We don't want to make them wait. It's their turn. What were you saying, JR? Natural, natural wine, I think, and this is rewinding like five minutes ago, so it makes less sense now. But I think natural wine kind of taps into the story building of wine. Because I feel like if you're a natural wine maker, you have an easier story to tell in terms of the decisions you're making in the vineyard, the decisions you're making uh, and how you're making the wine, which maybe makes it easier for you to sell your wine. So I, I do think natural wine has an appeal there too, because people want a story with their ball. They want to know why it's great or why people are after it or a, a number of reasons. But I, I think natural wine kind of takes care of some of that for you. Cause like it's saying like, Hey, this, person pull off effort into the farming into the winemaking and they didn't cut any corners to get here especially if you are someone who doesn't drink a ton of wine regularly who we just could not relate to but if they're only you know drinking two bottles a month or something like that they want to have something their wine to have you know exactly a story to it a cool artwork or something they can kind of have on their shelf a friend comes over and asks about it so exactly there's more of a story to it so I definitely understand why folks are so into it. I've had some incredible natural wines. I've actually had some of the worst wines in my life has, have been natural wines as well, because I don't know exactly why, but I'm assuming just because there aren't the same preser- preserving I guess, agents in there and it just turned or something. So yeah, I was watching high, high this, risk, high reward. Yeah, I was watching this Instagram of a cooking person on Instagram and she was pouring wine into some kind of beef dish and the wine had like chunks in it. So I sent it to JR and I was like, JR, what, what is this? What's happening? And he's like, oh, maybe it's a natural wine. Fun, yeah. fun story. Uh, I completely awful. forgot about that until Danny just referenced it right now. I, I think I was thinking it was an unfiltered wine. So that's why it uh, yeah. had debris in it. But it could have been old wine, but it also didn't seem like it based off the what, way she was pouring it. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it was old based on that person. <laughs> but <laughs> shall, we, shall we move on to the wine list of the week? I think we shall. And right. for the listeners who I'm not sure when they'll have the opportunity to listen to it, we are recording on December 13th. And as Danny knows, and as the executive producer of this podcast, Taylor, my wife knows, that's a holy day. That is uh, Taylor Swift's birthday. It's also my daughter's seven month birthday. So shout out to Teagues. So Taylor Swift last night went out to a famous wine bar in New York. I'm sure Aaron's going to correct what borough it's in. So I'm not even going to try. It says New York, New York, so Manhattan. Yeah, I just made that up. Oh, it says if wine. Taylor Swift went there, it's, it's probably Div- Manhattan. Yeah, it's Division cool, Street in, in Manhattan. Awesome. Thanks. We're in Manhattan. So Taylor took her friends there, and we decided to pick this place for the wine list of the week because they also have a natural wine section 
on the wine list of the week. Not saying we're going to pick a wine from there, but most of the wines I see on the wine list probably fit the natural wine vibe. Uh, The premise of the natural wine, or sorry, the wine list of the week is we pick one restaurant. Usually it has some significance. Obviously, this one does for Taylor Swift. And we talk about what's great about their wine list. And then we each get a pick of a bottle if we dine there. Or in this case, I think it's only like just small plates of food. Or even if there is food, it's just a wine bar mainly. And we talk about what bottle we'd select and why. And then Danny always surprises us with a pick from out of left field. So I think I'm going to let Aaron kick us off. All right. So so let's set the stage. We just went to a Knicks game. They won 102 to 103 against Philadelphia. What what, are we pro Knicks or anti Knicks? I mean, I think we're just pro having a good time in the city. Just along for the ride. Okay. Yeah, it's just fun. So let's let's talk about the food. What do they? What what are some of the dishes that they serve here, Jr.? Did you get that far? (laughs) You know, I didn't. (laughs) You're the only one who cares. Hold on, we found a menu. Okay, yeah, we need to look at the one. Yeah, the menu. Okay. That, that matters when we order. You're the only one who cares about food. Uh, this bluefin crudo sounds nice. Love it. Billy crudo. Actually, no, bluefin are way over farm. No, oh, do something okay. else. Let's okay, let's do the burrata and roasted squash with pepitas. Yes. Okay. Pepita. Okay. And that then the local lovely. fingerling potatoes with chili, uh, chive aioli. Oh, baby. You know, aioli was really the best thing that ever happened to mayo. It really is. This is yeah. actually a really nice menu. I would definitely eat here. Of course. It's the restaurant Taylor Swift went to. I take back my previous comments about just only focus on the wine. Yeah, we should we should kind of keep everything, you know, in the ecosystem at, at bay. So what I really like about this wine list is it's obviously quite large. There you can just short sort by bubbles, white, red, but also by uh by natural wines like Jared mentioned before, which really cool is that some of them actually a good amount of them, you can click on it and it gives you the photo of it and a much better, like a, cause it's also a storefront. So if you really enjoy the wine, you can buy it. And so for, I'm going to go with Domaine de la Grande Colline, Cote de Rhone Rouge, Bibindum 2021. So on the menu, it is, I think $75. And if you want to take it home, it's 40. Yeah. $75. If you want to drink it with dinner. And what's really cool about this is it's a Cote de Rhone. It's a Southern Cote de Rhone, which is generally Syrah and Grenache, but they use the Senso grape. Is that how you say that grape, Jared? Yeah. Yeah. The lighter, still red grape called Senso, and they fer- ferment whole cluster. So hopefully you're kind of getting that. I'm hoping kind of that bubbly kind of carbonic maceration feel in your, on your tongue, which I really like. And apparently uh, tastes like black raspberry, black pepper, and violets. So, Danny, no need to look this up on Vivino. Already found it. And uh, they suggest having it lightly chilled. So I think this would be uh, really nice. How and do we again, feel about them listing by price rather than like by producer? Because like they have multiple wines from a producer, but like they list by price. So they're all spread out on these lists. I, I can't tell if I like it or not. I like it. You do? OK. I like it because, I mean, honestly, at the end of the day, most people, unless they're sickos like you, yeah, they're going to be kind of like have a, something in mind what they're willing to spend. And, That's fair, you know. And after we got uh, the scalpers outside of Madison Square Garden, kind of screwed us. We kind of had to double pay for our tickets to the Knicks game. We're not going to want to drop too much money on wine. At least I'm that not going to. Bullshit. <clears throat> I know. 
Well, we should have been suspect when the tickets said 2022 on them. Yeah. But who knew they played the Sixers the same night year before? But yeah. So, so, I, so I'm going to go with a natural wine. It's a Senso from the Southern Rhone. And it looks like a fun, fun bottle, kind of like a Michelin man or like a honey pot is on the label. So kind of fun. Uh, Danny, are, are you, do you know what you're going to choose? I do. And it's probably going to be out of left field. Yeah. Oh, no. Let's go. <laughs> Here I go. Nanclaris. Oh, it's under white. Nanclaris e Prieto Alberino Dandelion, year 2022, $70. Hmm. Take home is $35 and it has a beautiful picture of a dandelion on the bottle. Is this Spanish? Do you know where it's from? It is. And it's organic. And so the interesting, what kind of caught my attention is the little description on their website calls it crisp, salty, and highly refreshing. Yeah. And I was like, that's salty. That salty really like intrigued me because I was like, to describe wine as salty. Anyway, yeah. so taste tastes like nectarine, lemon zest, and sea salt. Ooh. Sounds pretty good, right? It sounds like it'd go really well with pizza. It would. And and I've heard they have pizza in New York City. Oh, oh. my gosh. Yeah, they have deep dish style, so it's like lasagna. They're going to call you Garfield after all that deep dish pizza there in New York. It's made to be. Jared's laughing. Uh, Danny, I, I really like your that. pick. I think it's a good value pick. It sounds lovely. And also, I, I like the salty attribute as well because, and this is not a sex joke, a lot of wines, they have kind of a salinity to them, uh, one of the tasting notes. And sometimes it is because they're close to a coast. And some people think you can taste that in the wine. A lot of people, But also, like we're talking about before, kind of the placebo effect, if you think it tastes like that, it's hard to get out of your mind. Yes. Interesting enough, it says that it's made on the coast of northwestern Spain. Oh, so northwestern wow. Spain. So not, not the Bath, Bath region. Mm-mm. I mean, I don't know where northwest not. Spain is. Yeah, that's Basque is more northeast. That sounds lovely. I'd, I'd love to try that with you, Danny. Thank you for ordering it for the table. Okay, when we go to New York. Full, full disclosure, we went through three restaurants before we picked this place for the wine list of the week, and the wine, the Spanish wine that Danny loved from earlier this season was on the wine list of the previous two places. So I have a pretty sure bet that she was going to pick it, but she didn't. She went pretty close to what I was expecting. So I don't think that was what? out of the field. Yeah. Oh, that salt thing really threw me. Oh, I think you'd enjoy it. Okay. This this hurts me. But first off, if we're if we're dining with Taylor Swift, if we somehow got an invite, I would love to think not. that, yeah, we did not, <laughs> that she would pick the Barolo from her birth year, uh, the Cavallado Barolo Reserva. What is her birth year? Has she ever talked about it before? She has talked about it. Thank oh, you, thanks, Danny. Danny. Uh, Got you. This, one, this one's <laughs> on their wine list for $460. To find a Barolo that's been properly stored for that long at an approachable price is nice. I mean, obviously, Taylor yeah, Swift doesn't money. deal with money anymore, but... I think that would be a fun little wine to to try on your uh, birthday. So my pick, and I feel gross doing this because I don't even remember the price of errands, but I think I might be the cheapest one. I'm going to pick the Sechinger Riesling Vom Loth 2020. I've had this producer before. I've had a Chardonnay. It was absolutely delicious. 
I don't see his bottles out there much. It's on the wine list in the white section for $65 for the bottle. Jeez. Yeah, this is just gross. I was going to pick that one. See, no this way. is why Danny and I will go here together because we will yes! just get a bottle of each and we will have our fingerling potatoes and just sit quietly while we stare at people watch. Mm-hmm. That's hilarious. All right, go on. That is our segment for wine lists of the what, week. What? Why did you choose it? Tell me what the yeah, tasting let's talk more notes about the wine. are. Stop yeah, trying to... come on. Oh, I, I've had the producer Chardonnay. I'm very much Gosh. looking forward to trying the Riesling. I don't really feel like I need more. Okay, I expect I respect that. So All you right. picked the cheapest bottle, and I picked the most expensive at seventy five. What's going on? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I was weird. like debating some Chardonnay, but spoiler alert: next episode's gonna be all about the bubbles so i decided to steer away from there and the burgundy section here is incredible the there's just a lot of great options but i don't know the the reasoning was just calling to me so i was just like you know this is feels like a great pick good value and i can have a good time you should should tell us the fun fact about the uh, smelling notes of riesling oh yeah so i think this is pretty commonly out there but if you're ever in a blind tasting, Riesling's a dead giveaway because it smells a little bit like petrol, which is like gasoline, or it can smell like plastic pool toys. It has like, that, It's crazy. It has a very distinct smell to it. So usually people don't put Riesling in like blind tasting because it's pretty easy to pick up on those notes. But Danny uh, picked up on it pretty quickly when I poured her a glass at Thanksgiving. She's very talented. And speaking of talented Danny... Danny, do you have a hot take of the week? No, I don't. I feel the segment's sorry. dead. It's dead because you've taught. I like Chardonnay now too. So wow, have you gone to a wine store and not been scared? No, I still haven't stepped foot in a wine store. Also, I ordered those sample wine things. Mm-hmm. I've gotten like three shipments. I haven't opened a single one. So hey, no, right. it's like two ounces. Let's you just know. open one right now. Let's just put it on the pod. It's it. going to be great podcast content. Okay, fine. Can you pause okay. the recording really quick? I'll be right back. Recording is in progress. Oh, I'm out of breath. Okay. Cardio Danny. <laughs> so this one is from a winery called 37 Wines. It's an Alberino. Oh, speak of the devil. What? You, you just, just chose an wine. Alberino. <laughs> Look at me. <laughs> Thank you, Wilder. Yeah. It's 2022. The alcohol by volume is 14.1%. This is okay. 100 milliliters, by the way, not two ounces. That's pretty close, isn't it? No, no, it's more. I don't know. That's I'm and thinking. it's from, I believe, Petaluma. I could be wrong, but that's what it looks like. Which is Northern California for people who are listening who might not be familiar with geography. Okay, so you're going to use those muscles, use those strong shoulders. Twist off. Yep. Okay. I didn't actually know that they listed the winery on the sample. I just thought they was like a region thing. And that's cool. Yeah. Nice. So it's called 37 Wines. It sounds like Baskin Robbins pivoted to a really bad marketing idea. Hmm. True. Danny, Baskin Robbins is a ice cream shop that specializes in 31 flavors. That's the joke. (laughs) Thanks. Oh, you actually didn't get it. Uh, <laughs> Danny just graduated college, so it's kind of tough to relate to her sometimes. Yeah. 
<laughs> so why should I let it rest at all? Is it good? No, drink it. Go for it. Drink it. We're on the podcast. Ooh, it's very bright. Oh. Oh. Definitely it... getting like lemon. Okay, ready? Okay. Any saltiness? Mm-mm. Okay. Any Ooh, fl- it's really good. Oh. Any flintiness? Minerality? Does it taste like seventh grade geology class? No, it tastes like kind of sweet. Okay. Oh, there's honey. There's like a shit ton of honey in it. Oh, wow. Shit ton of honey. Wow. Yeah. And Tegan, like, Tegan can't have it. You <laughs> can't. She might get botulism. It's very good. I like it. Okay. Uh, That's a lovely wine 10. glass, Danny. How did you decide on that wine glass? It's beautiful. Uh, JR chose it and I put it on my wedding registry. Danny, is this the Sonoma sample? Mm-hmm. Okay. That makes nice. sense. Oh, yeah. No- notes of lemon zest, passion fruit, oh. honeysuckle, pineapple, apricot, and jasmine. Well, we got a little wow. Somalia in our hands. I'm really, the honey you really taste, it's super interesting. Sounds great. Yeah, it's much better when you guys also have the wine, but okay, should we move on to what's in our glass? <laughs> no, I'm enjoying this. This is great. <laughs> Just Danny being wowed by a nice Alberino. Yeah, Danny's hot take of the week is let's try sample and see which wine she likes. Love this stuff. I kind of wish for the next episode, which is not going to be possible, but I wish for the next episode, Kobe would like try a blind taste you on one of these. Oh, so yeah. he would just like in the other room, pour one of the samples into a glass and then just hand it to you. And we could go through this whole process together. Great okay. idea. So Danny, right, we- is your hot tip of the week that I, in the middle of the week on at 6 p.m. having a glass of wine is actually really nice. Not just one. Oh. Having two glasses of wine. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Double fisting it over here. <laughs> burr, 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 burr. Danny earned it. Hard work day. Yeah. It was rough. All right. Job, job site day. All right. Aaron, do you want to tell everyone what's in our glass this week? It's in one of Danny's glasses this week. I'm a little nervous. I might get too excited after you told me about the winemaker. <laughs> don't, don't put the blame on me. All right. So the producer is an Italian woman named Chiara Condello, C-H-I-A-R-A-C-O-N-D-E-L-L-O. I don't know how to say that right in Italian, but that's probably not too far off. Uh, she's probably, what, about an hour away from Bologna in uh, central Italy. And this is a Sangiovese, which is one of the more predominant grapes in that area of Italy. It's a 2019 harvest. And I think it was $25 from our online distributor. So, you know, not, not super expensive. And I think it's a, tr- it's the preeminent food wine. The reason I say that is it's still a bit young. I'd love to, I opened it right before we started taping. So it needs to breathe a little bit more, but it has really pronounced tannins kind of throughout the whole experience. So it's from my point of view, very food friendly, especially if you're eating heavier fare which is what I believe most Italian wines, especially younger Italian wines is kind of, are kind of made for. I really like this wine, but I wish I had something a little hardier to eat, to accompany it with. I'm not getting lots of, you know, blackberry or fruit notes. It's just really nice and a little bit complex, but I think to, by tomorrow after it, it opens up a little bit more and softens, it's going to have more notes that I can kind of decipher. But for right now, it's just a terrific food wine made by, a very lovely individual in a country I hope to visit here soon. I 
think it's more approachable than the other Italian wine we had earlier this season. Yeah, I'd say that. Yeah. What vintage was that wine? I think that was a 19, but let me double check. Maybe that, maybe I could be wrong. This one, like, it does, it could use some food, sure, but like, I've just been sipping on it during this podcast and like, it kind of can hold its own. It doesn't really necessarily need something that badly. There's, to me, there's a little bit of like this, like, it sounds weird to describe it as, but like a dirty cherry to it. It's almost like this dusty cherry characteristic to it that I I find I keep going back for. It sounds like a stripper in Houston. James Harden would love that. It (laughs) it has this really nice structure to it. The tannins are definitely there. Shout out to Danny. But it feels like they're starting to integrate a little bit. It definitely could maybe use a few more years in the cellar, but for $25? Yeah, it's a really good value. The quality of wine is really impressive. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. And and Jared, for the listener, uh, you did decant your wine, the whole bottle. Is that correct? I decanted half of it. So, yeah. Yeah, I think that I think that would definitely be advised. Uh, he's right. The previous wine we had from uh, Piedmont was a 2019 as well. No, I, I was, was wrong. Aaron was right. I was right. It's oh, very sorry. Important. Sorry, yeah, Aaron. Since I love control and power, it's very important. That everyone lets me know I'm right. Sorry, Aaron I'm was very right. Secure. No, but it. Yeah. So and that one, I think, was was that 40? The last one or 35? Yeah, 35. OK, so, yeah, this was even, you know, ten dollars cheaper. So, yeah, but Dan, uh, Jared, I definitely agree with what you're saying. Uh, Danny, do you have any thoughts? And please keep it clean. I know you saw photos of the winemaker as well. Oh, yeah. Okay. I forgot about that. I like <laughs> to go back to Aaron's point about like comparison of value there. Like this one's 25 and the other one's 35. I think both the wines were great representations of their grapes. I think this is. Yeah. A fantastic representation representation of San Giovese, a fantastic representation of the region too. And I'm not a huge fan of the region, but I do enjoy this wine quite a bit. Jared, why are you not a fan of the region? I feel like their wines could can be a little bit too astringent almost for me. They can be oh. a little bit almost too sharp for me. And this one, when I first opened it and probably had my first sip of it an hour ago or so. It was pretty sharp, but it has mellowed out quite a bit in this time, and it's a little bit smoother. I think people know at this point that I'm a Burgundy boy with a little uh, foreplay in champagne from time to time. So I don't tend to go for those heavier, uh, more tannic types of wine. I've spent this whole time talking and Danny still hasn't given us her thoughts on the wine. So I'm just going to uh, open the floor to Danny. Danny, would you like so, to have the floor yeah, open? Yeah. Here I go. So <laughs> at the start of this podcast, I was under the assumption that I love tannins. You know, remember that? Yeah. Yeah. I don't like yes. tannins. No. No, but but we can add this to bets with besties, our little notes thing mm-hmm. where we have bets. I think give it a couple years and I'm going to be really into tannins because it's I, I, I there's something about it that I do like. But like there's something yeah. I just prefer like Jr. the white burgundies or the uh, what's it called? Alberinos. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Alberinos. Yeah. 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 The more lighter wines, the gummies. But, you know, that could change. And I do see Aaron's point of how, like, if you had a really good steak with this wine, it would be top notch. 
But yeah, Dan, I know you're sorry. Go ahead, Jar. Aaron makes great points often, and he is honestly the best on this podcast at comparing foods to wines and what they'll what they'll pair with. I, I I will say that like I don't necessarily build meals around wines that much, and so like my approach can sometimes be different in that regard. And this wine, I think I'll probably end up picking another bottle at some point just because it's a nice wine to have in the cellar mm-hmm. for like those nights when you kind of feel like oh it's a little bit colder out oh i feel like i'm sitting down with a nice red in front of a fireplace that doesn't exist yeah. in my house and it just seems like it, it's a it's a good wine to sit over for a few hours while you're, you're talking about life liberty and the pursuit of live laugh love and and if you buy more bottles there's always a small chance the winemaker might send you an email and be like hey i really appreciate your support uh and all of your brothelization uh for my wines i'd love just to if you to come visit and hang out you know bring your wife if you want if not that's totally cool too we can do yoga i don't know like i haven't really thought much about it but if i had thought about it maybe that's a, a possibility but danny i think uh, i'm really excited to be witnessing your wine journey uh, i don't have kids of my own so i have to think of you as my little uh little child pretty weird given that we're not that far apart in age i understand that but i think i might be older than you I think you are. Yeah. yeah. Some people are an old soul. You're an ancient soul. <laughs> like your soul was walking around the aqueducts in Rome. Almost bedtime for me. Oh my gosh. Such a, okay. Now where I was going with this was that you, since you're a vegetarian, you, you don't eat meat. And what I would recommend is you're probably oh, going to have this. Pardon wait. me. You want to, you want to hear what I think? Yes. I think a nice lentil mushroom loaf with okay. like a puff pastry around it. Okay. Yeah. That's 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 you should try that. Or yeah, with like rosemary in it and maybe like a little splash of red wine in it too. Oh. Yeah, that that's a good choice. What I was gonna say is you should get a high quality pasta, maybe handmade or something. I don't know what's available to you. Make it a little al dente, a little bit of chewiness, and then have like a nice red sauce with it with porcini and chanterelle mushrooms chanterelles because they're in season still you can still get them uh at least at least up here in seattle i'm hoping you can still get them in california but i don't know about the distribution channels and sprinkle parmesan or pecorino on it and then have this wine tomorrow and i think you're gonna change your mind a little bit yeah cheese cheese can really elevate a dish yeah but particularly kind of the meaty mushrooms of porcini and chanterelle totally Danny, which glass are you going to finish tonight? Probably the white. Both. Danny, would you like to sign us out and uh, tell our loyal listeners what to look forward to in our next episode? Thank you for listening. Do you want me to sign us out? Do you want me to sign us off? Oh, one of you guys should do it because I didn't do the intro. JR, can you do it in the Danny voice? (laughs) No, I cannot do that. So that's the episode. Thanks for listening. I hope you learned a little bit about natural wine, a little bit about the wine news of the week, and a little bit about why Taylor Swift picked a great wine bar to go to for her birthday and attractive winemakers in Italy. Next episode, to give you a little teaser, we are doing a deep dive on, I think we're only going to talk about champagne, but we'll talk a little bit about making sparkly wine. But we're going to focus more on the champagne method of making wine. And Aaron's going to lead that conversation. And I'm going to be making obscene sounds the whole time. Thanks I think for I'm in trouble when you give me homework.
<laughs> like Thanks I've been reprimanded. Uh Thanks for listening. Please like and subscribe and check us out on social media. For Danny, JR, and Aaron, this has been The Wine Goblins. 